From the ESPN studios at Pier 17 in the Seaport District of New York City, this is Greeny with Mike Greenberg on ESPN Radio. You can also listen and watch the show on the ESPN app. Hour number two on this jam-packed, busy Thursday. When have you had a Thursday this good, sports-wise, in this city? Seriously, when, when, when was the last time with everything that we got going on here? Dan Grasa in for Greeny, 98.7 ESPN member, going to be with you tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel as well. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number at Dan Grasa's where you could get me on Twitter. And I don't know if you knew this, but the new movie Big George Foreman is based on the unbelievable true story of one of the greatest comebacks of all time. The film is a never-before-seen look into George Foreman's life inside and outside of the ring, from winning the Olympic gold medal and the heavyweight championship, retiring, to then returning to the ring 10 years later, only to win the heavyweight championship for a second time at 45 years old. This is a movie you won't want to miss. Big George Foreman now playing exclusively in theaters. Get your tickets today. It is rated PG-13. Parental guidance. 13. So, tonight is the NFL draft. And look, in any given year, certainly in recent years, in our city with our teams, it's big news. It's big news because teams were picking pretty high usually. Last year, they were all in the top 10, multiple selections, because they'd fallen on some hard times. And so, there you go. Oh, yeah. Is that the countdown clock, by the way? That's the countdown clock, right? Nine hours or whatever it is? You can see it on ESPN, 8, 58, 24, I mean, 23. Do we, we do really, good work here. We really... Do we really need the countdown clock, though? Like, I think people know that the draft... Like, they don't think the draft is going to start in an hour. Beautiful graphics, though. They're not bad. For 2023, those are pretty good graphics. Like, Stephen A. comes on at 12 o'clock. Yeah. And goes with the first pick in the draft. Yeah, but I mean, he's going to... Carolina Panthers select. Yeah, he's going to announce the pick. He'll spoil the surprise. But... You know, this year it's a little bit different. Right, Jets are picking at 15, Giants are picking at 25. And, by all accounts, and we've talked about it a lot, this is not a very good draft. You know, depending on which team that you ask and which scouting staff that you want to poll, I mean, anywhere from only, and I say only, 10 to 15 prospects in this draft even receive first-round grades. Objectively. And in scouting terms, that's not very good. When you're weighing in on a draft and you're trying to evaluate a collection of players that are, you know, you hope are going to be players that you are going to build your team around. So this is not the right draft to be picking in the top 10, you know, to have these high selections. So in a way, maybe the Jets and Giants get a little bit of a break in the fact that they don't have these marquee selections. But we'll get into that in just a little bit. Yesterday, the Aaron Rodgers press conference at Florham Park, and I was out there, and it, it was a scene. It, it really and truly was, as you could imagine. Auditorium there was jam-packed, standing room only, standing in the aisles, standing in the back, I mean, cameras galore, news vans galore. It was, it, was, it was great. I mean, no other way I could say it, it was great. And it was almost surreal just seeing Aaron Rodgers there, a, a guy who, you know, is one of the most popular players in American sports, forget about the National Football League, commercials left and right, you know. What's his, uh, the, the insurance company, is that State Farm or uh, State Farm, right? All those commercials. 
you know, the guy you saw on your TV constantly, playing football in January, Lambeau Field, Green Bay Packers, all those things. Darkness retreats, whatever. And now he's in the building that you know, I, 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 I frequent often, of course, during the season. And he's wearing jet stuff. He's walking around. And I'm saying this. this it, you know, it's almost like pinch me moment, right? This is, he's not supposed to be here. He's Aaron Rodgers. And I let my mind wander a little bit during that press conference yesterday, while I'm sitting there and you know trying to see over the cameras that were stationed in front of me in the row that I was sitting in, which was not ideal. That's why the couple of pictures that I snapped that I that I posted they weren't exactly crystal clear because I'm trying to like zoom in between cameras. But neither here nor there. And I'm thinking it was just. Three years ago, right? We're sitting here doing the Jet games each week and watching game after game where Frank Gore is getting 20 carries up the middle for two yards at a, at a pop. And now fast forward to today and the roster's better and Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. Going to be the quarterback. It's like, wow. Like, how, how did that happen? And if you're a Jet fan, you realize, you know what? You put in enough lean years. You had enough disappointing Sundays over the years to where, you know what? You should get a little bit of payoff from it. You should, right? I mean, this ultimately at the end of the day is, you know, what you hope to get from being a fan. I mean, Nick fans are starting to experience that right now. And now the Jet fan could also have something to be proud of come the fall. And I thought he said some things yesterday that were interesting. Number one, you know, I, I, I love the line that he said about, you know, the Super Bowl championship, right? And the fact that when he walked into the building, he noticed that that trophy was a little bit lonely. The Super Bowl three trophy, which they have in the lobby right when you walk in. And he talked about that a little bit. That's exciting. The Jets have an incredible, passionate fan base. I saw that last year at Lambeau. Obviously, you know about Fireman Ed and you know his passion for the team. I think that's an exciting draw to this as well as being a part of something special. I grew up watching old VHS tapes of the Super Bowls, and so obviously I know about the guarantee and Broadway Joe. It's been a while since then. I noticed walking in this morning that that Super Bowl three trophy is looking a little lonely. So I think I watched the same tapes he was watching too. Super Sunday, the VHS. Yeah, wore that thing out pretty good. Pretty good. And he gets it. You know, and it's something that we talked about during this whole process when, you know, Aaron Rodgers seemed like it might be a possibility. Think about what winning would do. Right? He's he's a smart guy. You know, he's not going to have any problems with the media here in New York. That's why you never know, oh, you know, he played in Green Bay. But, but the NFL is a national sport. You know, and you're a marquee team like the Packers, despite the fact that the market size is, is super small. He's had to answer questions. He's, he's going to be fine here. You know, he aced yesterday. I don't think that there's going to be any sort of, you know, they're going to go out of their way to protect him. You don't have to. This guy's been around the block. He's one of the savviest athletes that you have. Now, you may not agree with everything that he says or so on and so forth, but he, he knows how to handle himself. He'll be fine. And he also understands what people have said about him. And the missteps in the playoffs the last couple of years. And, you know, why has he only won one Super Bowl, despite the fact that he's got four MVPs? And, you know, he's accomplished all these things in his career. And, you know, the physical gifts and the talents that he brings to the position. He gets all that. He wants another ring. If he didn't want another ring, he wouldn't be playing right now. 
You heard him say when he walked into the darkness retreat, he was 90% retired. What does he have to gain by coming back for another season? And oh, by the way, changing teams. Changing teams. After 18 years. And if you win in this city, it's like winning nowhere else. Think about how Mark Messier's stature, what that became when he delivered the elusive Stanley Cup to the Rangers after 54 years. This is a guy, Messier, who'd won already several cups with the Edmonton Oilers. Legacy secures a Hockey Hall of Famer, one of the all-time greats, all those things. But now he's remembered as a Ranger. Because he was that guy, the guarantee and helped deliver it. You don't think Aaron Rodgers can have the same thing happen to him, potentially, if he delivers a Super Bowl to this team? He was asked, what would winning in New York do for your legacy? I don't really know about the historical standing in the sport. I think more from this organization standpoint, it'd be really special. Uh, There's some iconic names that have played here, probably none more iconic than number 12. And I heard what he said about unretiring his number, but to me, 12 is Broadway Joe, and I didn't want to even go down that path, and I'm excited about going back to my college number. But there's something special about playing in a city for a team like this uh, with a storied franchise and obviously going way, way back to uh, Super Bowl three. To be a part of something special would uh, definitely help you go down in the history of an organization. Already have 18 years uh, in an incredibly iconic organization, and it'd be fun to be a part of the history of this one as well. One of the things that I did kind of disagree with a little bit that he said is that, you know... It was with the media and the press conference, and he said something along the lines. He was like, well, you know, my job is not to come here and and play the role of savior and to be the savior. That's where he's wrong. You know, like, that's why you're here. Yeah, I get it. You need the whole team to contribute and to help, but that's why they moved heaven and earth to bring you in, man. Like, you, you, they need you to be the savior, or else they wouldn't do it. Or else they would have rolled it back with Zach Wilson. And who knows, Joe Flacco, (laughs) fight it out. (laughs) Tim Boyle or whoever's here, right? No, he has to be the savior. He's got to be the guy. And yet things are changing a little bit because at the end of the day, he still picked the Jets. They referenced that at the press conference we talked about. I mean, there were two options for him, retirement or play for the Jets. And in the past, guys would not have made that decision. So at least the perception of the franchise to the outside is changing. Now you got to go out there and win games. And I thought he was great on TMKS yesterday and talked about his desire to play for this team. I would say I don't need it. I want it. I wanted a, a new adventure, a new challenge. I love the game so much. And the opportunity that was presented to come play for the New York Jets I just couldn't pass up to be able to play for a coach I really, really respect in Robert Sala, to be under the tutelage again of a dear, dear friend in Nathaniel Hackett, to be a part of a team that has a lot of pieces in place. You have the offensive and defensive rookie of the year. You have two guys who also could have been in the running in Brees and Jermaine. You have an incredible group of players around those guys. you got a fan base that's hungry and passionate, and it's been a while since we've been in the playoffs, more or less mm-hmm. been at the Super Bowl. We're talking 50-plus years. The opportunity to be a part of an iconic franchise, to be a part of the history of this franchise, and to make history, pretty special. And my love of the game, my passion, my drive, has kind of been re-energized with this new opportunity and this new adventure I'm going on. And you're going to hear a lot more of Aaron Rodgers. But it was just, like I said, it was almost surreal. You know, like I I spent a lot of time in that building. Um, 
certainly over the last couple of years, and it was even after the press conference yesterday. I'm just sitting up there, having a cup of coffee, chilling out, you know, waiting for a couple of people, you know, just to talk to them over there, and I'm just sitting there minding my business, and all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers comes walking into the hallway or whatever, and I'm like, that's Aaron Rodgers. Like, the, you know, you don't expect to see him. It's, you expect to see the guys who you see all the time you're there and the folks that work there and just, you know, your buddies, your friends and this and that. And, um, yeah, it was just the four-time MVP future Hall of Famer just walking through. Nothing more, you know. But you're a Jet fan. Get used to it. And the profile has gone up instantly. Training camp is going to be an absolute zoo this year because you have a rock star. The media coverage is going to be out of this world, you know, I know the tickets are already selling like hotcakes. Everybody in that building is doing cartwheels. And you know what? It's it, it, I, I feel good for everybody in that building. You know, because there have been some hard times, and now things appear to be changing. It's good for us. It's good for us here at the radio station. As a partner of the Jets, we air their games. We do the games. Like, you know, we want good Sundays. And there haven't been that many of them over the last several years. And now all that appears to be changing, and hopefully he could deliver on what they brought him in here to do. 800-919-3776 that is the telephone number remember nfl draft tonight coverage begins at 8 p.m and you can hear every pick each and every pick all the dissection of the picks the analysis all the rumors the speculations everything on 10:50 a.m and also on the espn app because here on 98.7 of course we have Rangers hockey game five between them and the New Jersey Devils very important swing game in the series one injury note for the New York Knicks before we get to the phone calls and no it's not about Julius Randle it's about Jericho Sims he underwent successful surgery yesterday to repair a torn labrum and cuff tendon in his right shoulder at the hospital for special surgery he's expected to be ready for the start of training camp in the fall so I mean Jericho Sims again not a guy that was getting a lot of run from Tom Thibodeau but now he's really not going to be available uh, as long as this postseason run goes we wish him the best in his recovery for next year. Uh, let's go to the phones. Danny and Centerport is up next here on 9870 ESPN. Danny, good morning. How are you? Hey, Dan. How are you, man? You could only imagine. We've had a lot of post-game talks, and you could only imagine how juiced and pumped I am along with yourself. You know, I, I want to start off by saying, you know, I feel bad that Greeny's not there because he dies hard just as much as anybody else, and for him not to be on the airwaves uh, rejoicing in this uh, in this day is kind of kind of sad, but you know I'm sure he's listening and he's he's excited. Man, you know Dan, listen. If if you listen to that K interview yesterday, the press conference was awesome, right? But that K interview yesterday, if if you weren't juiced from that and you didn't get a totally different feel from all the nonsense that we've heard about this guy, then you're just you're just not thinking clearly, man. The things that he hit and the things that he said and the way he talked about the organization and getting to practice and learning, you know getting to know his teammates and, and the history of, of the Jets and wanting to, to get that trophy case bigger and all of that stuff. I mean, if you are not pumped for that and you don't get it, this is the best expectations we've had, Dan, since 99. You know, I spoke to the guys this morning, and since 99, this is the first time that we've had expectations like this. And, and, and they're legit, man. And you know what the, the most awesome thing he said yesterday? I'm sure you heard it. Somebody mentioned him about, about slaying the dragon, and he said, never mind slaying the dragon. We are the dragon. We're the dragon. 
dragon. We can be the dragon. And that's the difference. And that's the, the attitude that we need. And that's what we've been longing for. And you know what? With this team, you know, everybody talks about what he did in his history with Green Bay. And, and oh, forgive me, he's only been a four-time MVP, only won the Super Bowl once and went to a gazillion playoff games. The guy's never had an all-around sound team like he's walking into right now. One time did he have a defense to, to compare to his offense, and he won a Super Bowl with that team. Other than that, every other single team that he's had, he's had either a good line, no running backs. Then he's had running backs and receivers and no defense. He's never had a complete team like this. And I am so excited to enjoy this ride with you on the post games and all the Jet fans out there. This is what we've been longing for. And any Jet fan that comes to the, to the, to the airwaves with negativity about what we gave up and what we did is ridiculous. When we're playing for a division title and we're playing playoff football come January, you tell me what, who cares about what we gave up. We didn't give up anything. We just got a, one of the top five quarterbacks to ever play this game. And if you're not fired up, then you're just not bleeding green the way I am, the way you are, the way Greeny is, and every other Jet fan that deserves this right now. So I'm going to enjoy this. This is what I've been waiting for, and I hope he stays healthy, and that's it. He is going to bring us where we want to be. His attitude is tremendous, and his calm, his calm demeanor and his calm experience and his confidence is just what we've been looking for, man. And I, thanks for the time, Dan. I really look forward to the to post games with him. We'll talk again, man. Dan, it's going to be fun. Appreciate the phone call. And look, you hope he could go out there, stay healthy, and deliver on everything he's talked about. But he's, look, he, he like I told you, he brings that swagger. You got the gunslinger on the field. You're going to go into every single game thinking you have a shot because he's your guy under center. Now it's like you brought in it, it, I, I, the closest thing you can compare it to. Like I said, it was and, and it was a shotgun wedding, but it was when Favre was here because when he came in that summer in August, it felt like they had a rock star, and and that's what this is going to feel like. You know, there's buzz at training camp each year and the open practices they have with the fans, and you know they flock over to Florham Park and they bring the juice and the enthusiasm, and they're excited. They're going to support the team regardless. But this is going to be like another uh, another stratosphere. You know, they're going to be turning people away because he, he has that gravitas. You know, he, he's, he's, he's not just a football player, not just an athlete. The guy's like, might as well be a celebrity. You know, I've been doing this long, like, I've been doing this a long time. You know, you, you do this long enough, you get to meet a lot of these guys and, you know, you're, you're covering them and so on and so forth. And then, you know, as sometimes when they finish their careers, you, you even work with them, believe it or not. And, um, the whole like starstruck thing is something that's kind of gone by the wayside a long time ago for me. But like I said, when I saw him yesterday, when I was introduced to him and you know spoke to him for just a couple of minutes in my mind, I said, "Well, I'm, I'm talking Aaron Rodgers, the guy that you see on TV. You know, much less he's in the facility over at One Jets Drive that I just didn't fathom in my wildest dreams would have ever happened. But yeah, that was that was reality. Let's say hi to Tony in Delaware. He's up next here on 98.7. Tony, how you doing? Yeah, doing well. Uh, before I get to my next point, I just got to say, New York Giants, you got to get a cornerback to neutralize one of them Eagles receivers. You must get a cornerback in the first round. Please do it. And then on the uh, the next tip, yeah, okay, Miami's not going to be a pushover for us. I mean, they just knocked off the number one seed. They're dangerous. And they play us tough all the time. I had the Knicks going to the championship, uh, the, the Eastern Conference championship, after I saw them in Summer League. So they're, they're right on track. But still, we still got to go dominate the Miami Heat, which we should. Yeah, but Tony, how many guys that you were watching in Summer League, you know, are, are the guys that are actually out there on the floor now? I, I mean, I couldn't even tell. Can we pull up that next Summer League roster, by the way? I just want to see how many of those guys even like, saw real time for them this year. 
Did he mean like the Knicks Summer League team he thought was going to go to like the Summer League finals? Oh, man. That's it. That, that, you know what they call that? That's optimism. That's major optimism right there. I saw this team in Summer League and I knew they were going to be good. What was that? Just Quentin, Quentin Grimes. <laughs> oh, my God. So Quentin Grimes was the only guy on the Summer League roster who even saw, like, any sort of considerable action for the Knicks this year in games that mattered. And look, ironically enough, Grimes isn't even on the floor. Jericho Oh, Jericho Sims, and Jericho Miles Sims. McBride. Oh, Deuce McBride. Daquan Jeffries. Oh. oh. <laughs> Theron Hunt. Mm. No? These no. guys aren't... Garrison Brooks. No, doesn't do anything for me. Eastern Conference Finals. Garrison Brooks. Nah, the Garrison Brooks sounds more like a second round max. Deshaun Schwartz. Deshaun Schwartz? Yeah. No. At a George Mason. No. No? No. Doesn't do it for me. MJ Walker? Nope. What about Jimmy JJ Walker? Mm, No, no dynamite. No. (laughs) Then that was a different story. If you gave me some dynamite there, I'd say, all right, Eastern Conference Finals. So Deuce McBride, Quinn Grimes, Jericho Sims, just those three guys alone, Eastern Conference Finals. I give Tony credit for actually like being that optimistic, and you know what? He might have nailed it. Might have nailed it. The only problem is, is that we know Sims won't be playing. Who knows about Quinn Grimes, and it's going to take a lot for Deuce McBride to factor in prominently in that series. So it's going to have to be the other guys. But nevertheless, it's possible. It, it could still happen. Let's say hi to um, Doug in Rivervale, who's up next. Doug, how are you? Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, seeing that press conference yesterday, I don't know if I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers that healthy looking. I mean, I know he's 39 and everything, but coming off his last couple seasons, excluding last year, if his 39-year-old elbow and his 39-year-old shoulder can hold up, he has an enormous chip on his shoulder, and he's always played better with that chip. And this year, that chip is going to grow and grow, and I'm extremely excited for the Jets season this year. Yeah, had the California tan working. You know, he was in, he was in good spirits yesterday. But that, that, look, that's what it all comes down to. You know, and you got all the, a lot of these questions also about Zach Wilson. Right now, Zach Wilson's the backup, but they say, well, you know, do you feel comfortable if Zach Wilson is you know going to have to play? Tell me a team in the NFL that actually feels comfortable if their starting quarterback gets hurt and they got to go to the backup. Now, sometimes it, it works out you know, better than your wildest dreams, like what happened with San Francisco last year, but that, that's not the norm, right? The norm, unfortunately, is like you end up in a situation that the Jets were in last year where you have to go through three different quarterbacks, and it's not like you're racking up victories left and right. All right, we got the draft tonight, and again, if you want to listen to the draft, if you're not in front of a TV, if you're out and about, you're you know, doing whatever... 1050 ESPN or the ESPN app is where you can hear all the draft coverage. Here on 98.7, we're going to have Rangers-Devils game number five. So if you want the draft, 1050 or the ESPN app. It's no secret. We've talked about it a lot. It's not a great draft. You know, unfortunately, this is one of those drafts that if you have multiple first-round picks, multiple high picks, you're kind of out of luck. Because a lot of these guys are not getting grades that you would hope to justify using one of those high selections for. So I think you're going to see a lot of teams probably look to trade out, to move down, maybe stockpile a couple of more picks, not even for this year, I would say next season. 
when you maybe have a little bit stronger of a crop in terms of the talent pool. Because this year it's slim pickings. So maybe this is a good thing for a team like the Jets who only have five selections. Now on the flip side, you look at the Giants. Giants have 10 picks overall. They had 11 last year. And, you know, the Giants have seven picks on day three of this draft right now. And that's rounds four through seven. I mean, seven picks. So I would maybe justify even that maybe being beneficial to them because if it's not that great of a draft for like the higher-end prospects, maybe you catch an occasional diamond in the rough or two on that third day. And that's where the Giants and Joe Shane are sitting right now here. And they might be in the market to even move the pick tonight because they currently sit right now at 25. Do you realize it's been six consecutive drafts that the number 25 pick has been traded? Six consecutive drafts. So, I mean, if you're Joe Shane, you're Brian Dayball, you're sitting there saying, well, well, we got to keep the streak going. we got to make it lucky number seven. Got to move the pick. I think you know what the needs are for the Giants. In no particular order, you say wide receiver. You'd say corner. I think I would even throw offensive line into the discussion. Those would be my top three right now when looking at the Giants as to what they need now. I put wide receiver and quarter and cornerback, I think, above the line. Now, again, I don't know how their draft board is situated. You don't know that. None of us do. And whatever these teams are telling you publicly or whatever rumors are being thrown out there, what it, it more often than not, it's a smokescreen. But if the Giants stay to their board, and if they are still picking at that part of the first round, don't know how it's all going to shake out. Me, personally... If I had to make the pick, I would probably say that corner would be the direction that I would go if, 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 and it's a big if, if there's somebody still high on their board that is still remaining when they got to turn in the card. Because a couple of reasons. Number one, you can never have enough corners. Premium position now in the NFL. You can never have enough. Remember, teams are essentially playing base defense and a nickel which means you need multiple DBs on the field, extra DBs. It's a pass-happy league. Giants, you look at their crop of cornerbacks right now. It's not overly impressive. You know, I think you're relying a little bit too much on the Darnay Holmeses of the world, the Cordell Flots, guys like that. And, you know, Adoree Jackson, who's good, but Adoree Jackson is a guy who's a free agent at the end of the season. And... I don't know what he's going to command. I don't know where the Giants stand right now and how much they want to even allocate to the player or the position in terms of their cap. So given the fact that one of your starters can maybe not even be on the team next year, you want to maybe build up the position a little bit, and that's why I think corner would be the way to go for them. Plus, you know that Wink Martindale, who loves to blitz, which means it relies on his corners to go out there and play a lot of man coverage. Guys around on an island, one-on-one, and you know we saw them at times get burned last year in that regard. Right? We saw that. So, if you are the Giants, I, I, I think that's a way to go. You know, Ringo from Georgia... Got ideal size, you know, 6'2". Um, I think he would fit the scheme real well. Brian Branch is a guy that intrigues me out of Alabama because he's somebody who is a Swiss Army knife. 
He's almost kind of like a positionless defender back there in the secondary. He'd be safety. He could be corner. You could play him in the slot. You could play him in the box. You could play him, you know, deep. So I just don't think he's going to last till 25. It would be an absolute dream if he fell because I think that he's one of those guys that you could deploy in so many different ways. Um, obviously, Deontay Banks from Maryland is somebody that also probably won't be around. And... That would require Joe Shane to do some maneuvering, like we talked about, has happened in the previous six drafts with that number 25 selection. So we'll see how aggressive the Giants are going to be, and I think a lot of that is going to be motivated as well just by what their board says and how much they really and truly like one of these players that as the round continues to unfold and maybe you get to those you know, mid-teens, late-teens, if, you know, they're looking at their draft board and they're saying, you know, so-and-so is still there, let's let's make the move, let's go get him. That's our guy, we can have him. Then you look at the other school of thought and you talk about wide receiver. Giants got a nice collection of wide receivers. They just don't have a number one. They just don't have a game-breaker, right? And they got a lot of mighty mites at the receiver position. They really don't have a guy who you know, would be that X receiver who'd be that weak side guy, split wide, right? He's the need. Go out there, use your size, use your strength, go win some jump balls out on the outside. Like, they don't have that guy. Now, is that somebody that you can get at any point in this first round? I mean, maybe. You know, Zay Flowers out of Boston College, a lot of people like him. problem with Zay Flowers is he's 5'9". You know, he's somebody that's not necessarily fit in that role. The only guy that, you know, in the discussion who they might be able to get who fits that to a T is, you know, the receiver from TCU, Quentin Johnston. But it comes back to availability again. And, I mean, if you're a Giant fan, and if you're even the regime, you just gave your quarterback tons of money. Some people feel you overpaid. So what's going to go a long way to ensuring that Daniel Jones is successful and he's going to give you the bang for your buck that you're paying him? Surround him with weapons. Right? I love the Darren Waller trade. Love the Darren Waller trade. I think he's going to become Daniel Jones' favorite target this year. But there's no rule that says you can't also get him a game-breaker potentially outside. And if he's available, that's got to be something that intrigues the heck out of Joe Shane and Brian Dable. So that's the Giants situation tonight with the draft. We'll see which way they go. And if look at all things being equal, like I said, I would go corner and then probably wide receiver right after that. And those are really things that we kind of identified at the beginning of the offseason for this team, right? Things haven't changed all that much. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. Jose's in Manhattan. He's up next here on 98.7. What's up, Jose? How are you? Hey, good, Roger. Great show as always. Listen, I think uh, I think Rogers brought us a little gift too. Don't forget, we also got Alan Lazar, mm-hmm. and I think right now he's playing like a first round draft pick. So everybody's saying, "Oh, we gave up this, we gave up that." But you really got to think you got a proven wide receiver that could also teach all wide receivers how Roger wants to be and what spot you have to be and so forth. And a quick question on the fifteenth round pick. Do you think, now you're going to yell at me, do you think if uh, Anderson uh, Richardson is there, you think that the Jets might go after Richardson if he's there? The quarterback you're talking about from Florida? Yes. Anthony Richardson. Yes. No. No. 
I don't think so. I I, I think, Jose, here's what I think is going to happen, and I thank you for the phone call. Um, We talked about this yesterday. I, I, I think if you're the Jets at 15, obviously I think they're going to try to beef up the offensive line. I think there's a few of those tackles that they and probably the rest of the league are maybe a cut above the rest. And I think if one of them are still there, that's probably the direction they're going to look to go. Now, I also can't rule out the possibility if those guys are off the board, then maybe they look to trade down. Remember, they only have five picks in this draft. And Joe Douglas is a guy who likes his picks. And I could see a situation where, you know, like we talked about with the Giants, the Giants have seven picks on day three of this draft on Saturday. And if I'm the Jets and if I'm Joe Douglas, you know what? Why not go out there and maybe get a couple more selections, especially for those later rounds in the draft? And you could accomplish that by trading down, especially if you're not in love with a player. Jets have no sixth-round pick, no seventh-round pick. They've got a one, a two, a four, and two fives. And that's it. So maybe they try to see if they could strike gold late in the draft. You never know. But offensive line would probably be the direction I think that they're targeting right now. And, you know, after that, it's anybody's guess. I know that there's a lot made over the possibility of a wide receiver, like the kid from Ohio State, you know, Jackson Smith Najigba. Um, you know, the, he's being floated out there. But is that just, you know, somebody in the organization just trying to get a smoke screen out there to somebody in the media, right? Like, I mean, we see this all the time, all the time with this type of stuff. And I'll believe it when I see it. Now, big picture-wise, if you're looking at the draft itself, obviously, I think the draft begins at number two this year. And the reason I say that is because there seems to be, like, which way the wind is blowing on any given day about what the Texans are going to do. Some think they are going to take a quarterback. Some think they aren't going to take a quarterback. I, I would be shocked if they don't because it's a quarterback league. And I think you got enough guys that probably check out well enough to where if you're Houston and you're D'Amico Ryans and you're just starting off this thing from scratch, you need that guy. And you could kind of grow on the job together. Rookie coach, rookie quarterback. I don't think that would be the worst alternative for them. Um, Arizona at number three is in a situation right now where they might even move out of it. It's no secret that they kind of want to move out because they don't need a quarterback. They got our buddy Kyler Murray. So if you could get a bushel for somebody that wants to trade up and maybe take that QB, so be it. You know, you also have Will Anderson there, who's the edge rusher from Alabama. And, you know, Will Anderson is probably the guy, depending on which way you want to slice it, who's, who you might want to consider the, the quote-unquote safest pick in the draft, which is always a dangerous thing to kind of latch on to somebody but Will Anderson seems to be that guy and it's always interesting to see how many of these quarterbacks are going to come off the board right like Anthony Richardson was somebody that Jose just mentioned right got a world of ability Hendon Hooker is a guy from Tennessee who's a little bit of a wild card here a little bit and some people think that he could get drafted a lot sooner than maybe most anticipate you know Will Levis is kind of one of these love or hate type of prospects I don't know if we're going to see five quarterbacks come off the board in the first round. I would probably, you know, 
I think three and a half is going to be the number that you could bet safely. You know, it's fair to gauge over or under QBs in the first round. I'll say over. I'm leaning more four than five. But certainly for our two locals, I don't think that's anything that you have to concern yourself with. That's for sure. Don't miss Big George Foreman, by the way, now playing exclusively in theaters. Get your tickets today. It is rated PG-13. Let's say hi to Richard in Manhattan. He's up next here on 98.7. Richard, hello. Dan, there has been 80 postseason NBA and NHL games. 80. Not including the play-in in the NBA. All right, so we've had 80 games, this year, first yep. round games. Out of the 80, I'm combining NHL and NBA. Out of those 80 games, nothing with point spread. How many do you think were won by the home team out of the 80? Richard loves the home field advantage stuff. He's obsessed with this. I will say... No, I'm obsessed with numbers, right. Dan. Only numbers and logic. Anything where I'm using my brain, I love. I will say less than 50% by the home team, because I remember that run that we had, especially early in these series. You're 100% right. You know, you're 100% yeah. right, Dan. It's 39 and 41. Now, in the NHL, it's glaring. The home teams in the NHL are 16 and 23. And in the NBA, they are 23 and 18. So you combine them, and it's 39 and 41. That's unbelievable. You play all season long for home ice, for home field, for home court, for home anything. And it means nothing. Now, I don't know if this year is different. Maybe things are changing as teams get more even, and one versus eight doesn't mean anything anymore. I mean, I think there was always a a thing that hockey, there was no home ice event. Look at Boston lost last night at home. This is the greatest hockey team ever. Who would ever think? I think they've lost twice at home. I mean, this is unbelievable. You would never see this years ago in any, you know, the Montreal Canadiens at home or the Islanders at home or Edmonton Oilers at home losing two games. And Boston is better than all those. Well, you know, at the one season. I mean, this is so there has to be something drawn from all this. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But this has been unbelievable. Home ice, home field, it means nothing anymore. I don't know. Maybe you can figure out what it means and what it does. One last thing I want to say about Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. This this guy hosted Jeopardy. He went to the University of College. You know what, I, Richard? I He's forgot a, about the Jeopardy thing. I, that that didn't even cross my mind at all yesterday when I was in there. Dan, he can handle anything. Do you know what an idiot he would look in front of the New York media if he couldn't handle? He can handle anything. I don't love the guy. I mean, I think he's a jerk, but I mean, he's a smart guy. He's professorial. He's got that. He's got. Oh, he's fantastic, though. He knows how to handle to media. He knows how to handle players. The guy is a genius. He's not stupid. If he can expose himself on Jeopardy like that, you know who he reminds me. Dan, you're too young. You wouldn't know this. Frank Gifford. Frank Gifford was the first guy to. Step I know who off Frank the, Gifford is, Richard. Sure, he stepped yeah. off the football field in 1962. He was doing updates for CBS while he was playing updates about football. Frank Gifford took the mic and he could have really exposed himself. He was the first football player that wasn't regarded as a dumb football player. You know, for, he did password and he and uh, Aaron Rodgers is a modern day Frank Gifford. He is uh, Fran Talkington. Fran Talkington did a bunch of those game yeah, shows. Well, he, 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 but I think yeah. it was after he retired. Yeah. He did the Saturday Night Live. I mean, when you can do shows and TV programs and expose yourself like that and not look stupid, that's unbelievable. And Rodgers is going to be fine in New 
New York. He'll handle himself. There's not going to be any situation that he can't handle. Now, as far as his playing, that I don't know. But as far as what to say after post-game, the secondary all, stuff, he'll, Richard. The secondary stuff, he'll be fine. And I got to let you go though because right. we got to we got to say goodbye always here. Always a pleasure, Dan. Thank you. Thank you, Richard, for checking in uh, as always. Um, real quick, because we have about a minute left, and again, you're going to hear the Rangers tonight against the Devils, a big game five on 98.7 ESPN. What is that? A 6:30 pregame or a seven o'clock, Anthony? What is seven o'clock pregame with Don Lagreca? Don Lagreca, seven o'clock pregame. Um, I think the Rangers snap out of this tonight. Um, they seem to be comfortable in Prudential Center. The first two games went their way. Big night from the goaltender, I think. Rangers will find a way to regain control this series and then take it back to home ice on Saturday night to go for the clincher. That's just what I believe. 